listening to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends. Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield here with my co-host and... You should have seen him, Mark, putting stuff together earlier tonight. I, he really is an engineer extraordinary. I was screwing things and drilling stuff, and it was exciting. I was excited for you, standing behind you. <laughs> Did you take a picture? <laughs> Mr. Mark Groves, that's who I'm talking about. That's me. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in gorgeous, bucolic, fall-ridden. Fall-ridden? Fall-ridden. I'll go with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Olathe, Kansas. You... Have been on the hunt for a classic car for so long. It's ridiculous. You've driven all over Hell's Half Acre looking <laughs> it's for even stuff. It's more ridiculous, yeah. What has your search turned up this week? All right. Um, I found there was a 56 Plymouth that I wanted to go look at. And the mm-hmm. guy was like, oh, it's it's pending. He had it listed as pending. I'm like, oh, that's out of that's out of the way. Well, it came back. It because, you know, Yeah. You know, Facebook, people show up. Maybe. And so uh, uh, I've lined up. Today is Tuesday. Uh, This Saturday when the show drops, I'll be driving across uh, central Missouri and heading to St. Louis and then heading south into the the A-hole of Illinois. You just like a road trip. I think that's all it is. I'm just so bored with life. (laughs) (laughs) I just like driving. Just looking for a road trip. I can listen to my books on tape. But uh, I, I did have actually two cars lined up. On that one, I was going to stop and look at a 63 Monterey mm-hmm. also on the way down that uh, the guy even sent me some video of it running. Uh sounded like a tractor, but, uh, you know, for, well, the, for the price Monterey. and yeah, uh, it was looking pretty good, but he sold it today. So and no mention of the disco vet. No, I'm not a vet guy. I'm just oh, come not. On, I man. love your vets. I love your Corvettes, and I really hope you get that, Dude, if that you, if cool you get, 1980, 82 yellow if, one. But. If you get that car, <laughs> it, he's looking at an 82 collector edition in the silver beige with the faded stripes and the multicolor interior and the the uh, veined wheels. And You need that. You need a disco ball. <laughs> You need a Tommy Bahama shirt tucked into a pair of jean shorts. Oh, hell and, yeah. And some uh, some New Balance tennis shoes. And some aviators. Yeah, yeah, definitely some aviators. <laughs> if you really look hard, you might find those leather-wrapped aviators <gasps> that Ray-Ban oh, did yeah. in, in the 80s for like a split second. Um, <laughs> we also looked at, dude, you should buy that 81 what was it it was a chrysler cordoba oh that thing yeah yeah, monotone white let me go find that again because that was just a a nightmare oh Uh, no but in great shape a 90 a 1981 chrysler cordoba ls with 23 on the clock and a 360 under the hood oh hell yeah and fine corinthian leather and ricardo montabom's corpse in the trunk Yeah. It's made out of the finest vinyl. You, I mean, the whole car is just plastic. Just just pleather yourself to death. And it's got white wheels that match the white outside. Dude, I really it's like hideous. that car. It's horrible, but it's awesome. 
There's no rust on it. There's no scratches on it. It looks to be in really great shape. And I'm pretty sure it's got that like old hamburger blood red interior. Oh, you the one that looks like hope. a flesh wound on oh, an ox. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it looks like your tomato, your uh, ketchup's gone over. Yeah, yeah. You should yeah that's the one. Definitely <laughs> we, lay your hands on that. And then the other option you showed me right before we came on air is. I I dig this. I'm kind. Car. Yeah, that one I, I actually really saved. This car, 1957 Cadillac Series 62 four door in kind of a sky blue color with a two tone interior. I dig that car. That thing would be fantastic. Got new tires. It runs, drives, and stops with three exclamation points, which means it must be good. Which means it stops kind of. Yeah. <laughs> st- st- stops sort of. <laughs> so I am. I, I fully support any of those. <laughs> really want you to get the Cadillac because I think that thing's awesome. But if you got that Chrysler Cordoba, oh my God. And uh, as our, our guest mentioned before we came on, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show, you would rule at Radwood. <laughs> and John's absolutely right. You need to get the Herb Tarlick. A uh, bad plaid suit and the white yeah. belt and oh, yes. <laughs> I could rock that, you know. Oh, I know I'd you feel could. real good in that. It, you would be rad in that thing. And I think I would be doing, you know, a service to a fellow person because uh, uh, the guy talks <laughs> in the ad. It says, "Money talks, looking for a fast sale." I'm a Pontiac Trans Am kind of guy. (laughs) That's why it's for sale. You know, what we ought to start doing every week is pick the three best car ads we can find. Oh, that's a good idea. And read them at the end of the show. (laughs) And that one absolutely rates money talks. I'm a Pontiac Trans Am kind of a guy. They even said it sat from 1996 till 2016. 20 years. 20 years. Wow. That's outstanding. Hamana, hamana. Uh, As I mentioned a second ago, John, John Ficarra is our guest this week. John is an automotive historian, marketer, and walking encyclopedia. (laughs) He's owned a picture car company called Creative Film Cars in New York City, ran an illegal cross-country cannonball event called the 2904. Allegedly. Did that for a decade, supposedly. (laughs) He was the marketing director and in-house historian for Canapa. He has been building and racing cars in the 24 Hours of Lemons for years. John owns Fakara Classic, a company that researches, restores, and markets collector, road, and race cars. He's a regular guest on the VinWiki Car Stories YouTube channel, and some of his stories have nearly a million. He says now over a million views. Amazing. John's work has appeared in magazines, including... Uh, Triple Zero, Vintage Race Car, Classic Porsche, Speed Sport, and the Lufkagolt website. I just kind of plow through that word. I never get it right. John, welcome back to Driven Radio. It's always a joy to be with you, fine gentlemen. Oh, it's a, it's just a joy to talk to you. You and I don't you and I don't get to talk enough, man. You've been way, way too busy. Well, you know, you try to keep busy, right? That's what life's all about. You got to fill the gaps. We can't have somebody like you out wandering around with nothing to do. That's just <laughs> that's uh, dangerous. Far, far too dangerous. <laughs> uh, the devil in idle hands and all that. Yeah, right? exactly what I'm thinking. We haven't had you on in a, quite a time. Uh, what's been going on at Fakara Classic and the infamous 928 Ranch? Have you oh, managed dear. to cobble one good 928 from the <laughs> 14 or so you had laying around? <laughs> 
Well, things have been going good in the garage. We um, we finished the 914.6 IMSA car, ooh, ooh, ooh. and um, it's pretty spectacular. It did not get accepted to Ren Sport, which I was very sad about, um, but they had so many amazing cars there, I understand. And then the 928s, we, uh, we finally got on that. We finished a few client cars, and we got my car, which is the 78 Euro car. We swapped all the stuff over from the Devic car that we had. So the, my car now has the um, later uh, S4 brakes, sus- the coilover suspension that, that Devic made. Wow. Um, uh, we got the limited slip differential out of that car. Uh, we got, I mean, we, we stripped that car. Every performance bit, it, it's got like a three-inch exhaust that came off of that thing. So uh, headers and everything's over on it now. It's in one piece. And then we were like, what are we going to do with it? Uh, the paint wasn't great. And I was like, I wanted to do something for Rensport. And uh, I called my friend Kelly Telfer, who is an amazing artist. And he does a lot of stuff for uh, PCA and Porsche National. And um, he was the, was he was, he did like the cover art for, um, I think, I think he did the cover art for uh, the Historics at Laguna Seca and there's a lot of really great stuff. Anyway, somehow I convinced him to paint my 928 as an art car. Nope. I was like, you know, you guys know, right? We grew up in the, in the the seventies and eighties, BMW was famous for painting their race cars as art cars. And and they gave them to famous artists like, you know, Warhol and, you know, uh, um, um, Oh God, I can't think of them now. But oh, like all these uh, was Jasper Johns do one. I forget who did them. Um, but like, there was an M1, there was a 3.0 CSL, and they had these amazing uh, paint jobs. And I'm like, I want an art car. If I can't spend the time to do some kind of concourse cool paint job, I want an art car. So the theme of my car was always the Pasha interior. So I told him I, the theme on the outside I want is Pasha. No. So he painted he painted the outside Pasha. Oh, and not like, I want to see this. And, oh, it's amazing. It came out amazing. And he did it all with a brush and acrylic paint and the whole thing. And it did it by the whole thing by hand. It took him days to do it. And I was so enraptured with the idea. One of the parts cars is an automatic. It actually was it's a, a Euro automatic. And it was one of the cars that I wasn't really caring much about. But it ran. And I'm thinking, well, this one kind of runs. Um, maybe we'll do this one too. So Christopher Michaels, who is a Cannonball friend of mine and a, yeah. and a, a frequent person on VinWiki Car Stories, and yeah. just an ama- one, a great artist, an amazing, amazing individual. Um, he was like, we, we had just finished our crazy Alaska trip. And he's like, I'll paint the other one. I'm like, really? So at the same time, in the same like week and a half, he was at my house painting the automatic car and I dropped the other one off at Kelly Telfer's studio and they're both being painted. (laughs) They're being painted for me. (laughs) And, uh, uh, Christopher Michaels did his, like the hippie car from the 917 hippie car from the seventies. And it came out spectacular. And I was like, while we were doing it, I'm like, you know, I I think we're going to, um, safari this. So we're going to, we, We've got the roof rack for that's going on. I've got um, he hand painted a set of the phone dial wheels for it. I'm getting bigger tires for it right now. And I've got a suspension shop 
uh, in town that said they build some risers for me. They like lifted about two inches, and uh, we're just gonna make a, a hippie Safari nine twenty eight out of that. You absolutely have to send me pictures of that. And oh. Chris, Christopher's <laughs> on here probably as often as we have you on here. So. Oh, good, good, good. He's, he's the best. I, I, I love Christopher to death. He's such a good guy. Um, for those who have forgotten, because I haven't had you on since February, it seems like it's been a long, long time. Explain what the 928 project was, how you started, how you came to to have a pile of these damn things, and what the process was to get where you are now. Um, well, it was the condensed version was I wanted a 920. I've always wanted a 928. It wasn't really a 911 guy. So, uh, I had a 928 years ago. It was kind of just uh, a friend of mine sold to me for a thousand bucks and it couldn't be registered in California. I figured a way of getting it registered and I drove it around for a while. And I really was like, I really like this car a lot, a lot. It fits me. I'm six, three. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like, the proportions of the car fit me perfectly if it doesn't have a sunroof. And, uh, and I ended up selling that car at Radwood. Um, I, it was the um, Tony Montana special. I put cocaine <laughs> on the dashboard and, you know, free it was ba- bags of cocaine on the dashboard. I was like, you know, cocaine is free. Uh, and somebody came up and they had to have it and they bought it. It was great. But so I, I, I was on the lookout for one. I was like, which one do I want? And I'm kind of a, uh, first or last kind of collector. I either like the original design, like, you know, the Countach Periscopo, like the first year of it yeah. with no flares and anything out of like what came out of Ganditi's pen, like, you know, that mm. car or the, the end of the evolution of it, you know? The, so I like the very early 928, like the first year was just 1978. And there's no, there's no spoilers on it. There's no ridiculous stuff. It's super clean. It's, it's pure. It's the spaceship, right? It's very pure. And so I found one. I, it, I wanted it to be a European because the Euro cars were very different from the U.S. cars at that point. Um, so a Euro car, I uh, wanted no sunroof. I wanted a manual transmission. I wanted a Pasha interior, which is the crazy psychedelic yeah. uh, checkerboard. Um, so it was kind of a unicorn car. They didn't make a whole lot of them. And, uh, I found one at this, uh, shady dealer in, in, um, Ohio and bought it. And of course it was, you know, worse than what he said. I Tell didn't me care it was Doug. Little. Was it Doug? No, it wasn't Doug. It wasn't too far from Doug, but it wasn't Doug. No, I'd buy something from Doug for sure. But this guy, I got the car out here and I, I, I it sat, literally, it sat, it's been sitting for years. Um, because after I got that, I did the, I'm on Facebook and Hey, I got my, you know, I got the car I'm going to work on. And then a friend was like, Oh, my friend's got one of those. Uh, he's probably selling to you. And I'm like, all right, I could use a parts car. That's, that was the automatic Euro car 79. I, so I went and picked that up for 2,500 bucks. Then I, I said, I got a parts car. And then another guy writes me and goes, I'll give you a car. So I was like, all right, I'll get a third one. <laughs> and that was the uh, 78 us car. And I got that for free while I was at his house. He's all, I've got three more. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and he's like, would you like to see him? I'm all sure. And there was one sitting in the corner with no engine in it, but beautiful repaint, um, beautiful interior. But the engine was out. And he's all like, that car I dumped 40 grand in at this company uh. called Devic. Uh, they, you know, suspension and all. I mean, the guy went bonkers. He, he did the whole catalog on the car. He had the engine built out to a 6.5 liter stroker. And apparently blew it up drag racing it. 
So wow. The, but the cool part was he he had given Devic a spare motor to do it. So the original engine was sitting next to it, uh, which was was a, a, a four valve motor. And um, he's like, well, you know, you should buy that from me. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, this one was free. And the last one I bought for 2,500 bucks. So 2,500 bucks. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's worth a lot more than that. I got 40 grand into it. And uh, that's eventually not I my got problem. It. <laughs> I, exactly. So after some shrewd negotiating on his part, uh, I got it for 2,500 bucks. <laughs> so, and, and honestly, uh-huh. like the, the headers for that engine on eBay are 2,500 bucks because they don't make them anymore. These, these tube headers that Devic built. So, the the headers the the suspension the bra- the S four brakes uh, everything that was on that that was all tricked out in that car easily eBay like ten grand just for those bits wow so I was like cool so that was it I got it up with four of them and I'm like I'm gonna make one good car so I got one good car and now that Christopher Michaels worked on the other one I got like one and a half good cars <laughs> and, uh, Soon as things uh, are are allowable, I'm going to sell the um, going to sell the uh, the Safari hippie car, uh, and we'll put it up for sale. We'll have some fun with on my channel with it, and go take it out and Safari it a bit, and then sell it. Um, so that'll be a hoop. But I'm going to keep. So the Pasha car is the keeper car, and then the other two I'm just going to get rid of, probably for twenty five hundred bucks, because that's what I've, I've that's I've established a. Parts nine twenty eight is twenty five hundred bucks. Uh, although one of the parts ones, the U.S. one I got for free, is number fifty six. Wow, it's way early. Wow, it is, and and it's. I think it might be worth saving to the right person who's got way too much time and a large pocketbook. It might be worth saving, but and, and twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah, twenty five hundred bucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's what the nine twenty eight. That that all happened, and uh, it's still happening. <laughs> okay, so you've gotten a bunch of stuff done. You've been able to work on the nine twenty eight. Some you've managed yeah. to coalesce several cars into a couple. One that's really good, and one that's kind of sort of good. Yeah. Uh, what cool projects do you have in the shop right now? Is Jay Lamb still keeping you busy? And did you ever find a solution for the ZR1 clutch? Uh, we're actually the, the the client cars are leaving, so I'm actually looking for a, a couple new client cars. So, um, Mark, it's a rare. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, and I I like working on the strange and unusual uh, or interesting because I I use this stuff on my YouTube channel. So. Um, you know, if you know of anybody who wants, who needs something done, uh, let me know. Cause we're, we're probably going to have, I'm, I'm opening for a winter project, but, uh, Jay's cars, I, I, we have touched and worked on all of Jay's cars. Uh, so I'm finishing up. I actually literally today took for a final test drive his 997 turbo, uh, which we'll be returning to him next week. And at that point I'll have done I'll, all of his cars are done. The Jags done, uh, the Kelly. Listen, uh, which we did for him, that ended up going to the quail. No, believe kidding. it or not, no kidding. Uh, you know, I'm. I'd love to say it was because of all the beautiful work we did. Actually, I will say that it was because of all the beautiful work we did on it. No, it, 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 uh, it turned out amazing. The car turned out great, and he got into the quail. And then, uh, shocking to everybody, he he sold it immediately afterwards. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I. 
and I can I can understand that because you know it's a Kellison. So he had done the New England One Thousand with it when we were finished with it. So it had done a major tour. It's been to the Quail. Yeah, it's done like it's everything that a Kellison could ever think of doing. It's got a little pedigree now. Time yeah, to, yeah. Time to so, find and, a new owner. And Jay's got the most wonderful eclectic taste in cars. So he's moving on to the next thing, you know, whatever it is, a Maserati Bora or whatever. <laughs> but uh, the the ZR1 came and went real, like, as quickly as we could, because I'm not a big, I, a huge fan of C4 Corvettes. But, um, yeah, we, we did the clutch on it. And uh, it was, you know, it's got the dual mass flywheel and everyone wants to get rid of that and put in the single mass, which then makes it clatter like a Ducati, right? <laughs> so it's like, and you can't really get rid of that. You can tighten up the transmission a little bit with some shims. Uh, but when we got the transmission back in, like the clutch would not disengage. And I'm like, I was driving me crazy because it, it was supposed to be from the most, you know, recognized maker of these kits to convert them over to single mass. And I'm yeah. like, What's it going on? We took the transmission and Matt, mechanic Matt, who works for me, who's a marvel, uh, who is the most patient man I've ever met, uh, was just befuddled. He took that thing in and out like four times on his shoulder. Oh, God. And I'm like, we, I go, you know, it's, it's, you don't want to repeat the same thing over and over again. Nothing's going to change. We we're trying to figure out what it was. And finally, you know, uh, taking it in and out mashes the pilot bearing. So I'm like, we'll get the pilot bearing out. And let's put a new one in because the pile bearing had come with the kit, but it was just a roller bearing style. Um, and, and we did the old mashing the bread in trick, which mm-hmm. I always love that. Right. Do you know that one? Uh, Mark? I, I you know. The no. So if you get if some cars, right. So the pilot bearing goes in the flywheel and you can get a pilot bearing puller. Right. And uh, which I we use it, but we didn't have one for that for that size at the time. So if you get a piece of white doughy bread, like Wonder Bread, and you push it into the hole and you keep pushing it into the hole, With it eventually forces the bearing out. Oh, my God. And I've used this. <laughs> I've used this on Ferraris. I mean, I've used this on all kinds of cars without and, doing and any damage you, to it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't do any damage to it. it. Doesn't do any damage to it. And the, the bearing just slides easily out. And you just pull the bread out and throw it away. So we 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 went to we went to Napa and we got a roller bearing. And we uh, we got you know a pin roller bearing style, uh, a nice basically went from a fourteen dollar bearing to a twenty four dollar bearing, right? And we put I got we put it in and it worked. Like oh, I, God. it didn't make any sense. Like because you know a pilot bearing shouldn't bind enough that you could actually turn the transmission, but. Something was going on. Yeah. So we got it, we got it working. I mean, literally, as soon as the thing worked, it was like, put it together, get it the heck out of here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Just, push it outside the shop. Tell them to come get it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and, guess, and guess what? We, we, put a, we put a hot exhaust on it for him because he wanted to hear it some more. And he drove it for like a month and then sent it to Fantasy Junction to sell it. He was oh. like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, I, I was... I kept telling myself, you got to have a ZR1. You got to have a ZR1. I've had a couple other fourth gen Corvettes and you know, they're, they're not bad if you don't mind getting in and out of a canoe. (laughs) That's essentially what ingress and egress is on those cars. And I keep, I, I was telling myself, ah, look for a ZR1, look for a ZR1, look for a ZR1. And then you and I had four conversations in two days about 
what in the hell is wrong with this car? Can you find me a solution? And over the course of those two days, I'm like, I'm not buying one of these damn things. <laughs> <laughs> and forget I, that. I if John you. can't fix it, I'm not buying one. <laughs> and and your listeners should know that Brett sent me a specialty manual. It was really sweet of you. Like in the mail, he's like, something's coming in the mail. And it's like a specialty manual for the ZR1. And I'm like, thank you. That, that actually did help a lot. Um, but that, you know, on paper, that car sounds great right you have yeah. uh you have a you know overhead cam v8 designed by lotus and built by mercury marine right well <laughs> you, you laugh about mercury marine but nobody else had more experience doing aluminum castings than they did no no it, you know it's like it all sounded great but the weird thing is is like you, if you listen to any other v8 of the time like of that that was of that design they all sound magnificent yeah. Right? You wind them up and they sound great. This thing just sounded like, like it was like uh, it, it it should have snarled like yeah. a standard the standard 350 kind of growls like we all know the American V8 growl right. Yeah. And when you when you when you got a higher rev limit and you've got more valves going on, you should get a more of a of a, a Ferrari sound to it. It should just like snicker right. That car would not make a damn sound that sounded good. We put no. two thousand dollar exhaust system on it, no. and it still sounded like it was farting. I'm like, come on! <laughs> you were like winding it up to the red line. I'm like, it still doesn't sound cool. And I think that's what Jay was like. Yeah, nah. <laughs> you, you get <laughs> you get better get, sounds out of uh, Callaway, and that's muted because of the turbo. Yeah, it, it, it didn't sound good. The rear end was mushy. Um, uh, you know, in order to chase, make this car really work, we would have had to spend more time and dump more stuff into it. The rear suspension is just a mush pot compared to like a modern car. Uh, it's it's not a satisfying ride. And I'm like, and the the we spent the uh, I don't know three months on the HVAC system because it's got three different modules that if you one breaks, you can't test the next one. Until that one breaks and then the next one, yeah. like we sent those modules to three different companies, and the finally the last one was like, well, what you got there is a bad module, and I'm like, I don't care, just, just send me something that works. The, and finally, they did. Like the technology is so old and and analog and awful, and ah, oh, and then like we found this car had never been apart. It had like I don't know seventeen thousand miles on it, whatever it had on it, and the wiring inside that general motors did originally stuff wasn't plugged in oh like, no at the factory we found a couple of, of wires just hanging there and a couple of clips that had never been clipped and well like, no card no there's some unhappy no, 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 kentuckians no, no, no. that are trying to get even with someone <laughs> somebody i was like yeah I, i'm gonna pat hard pass on a c4 corvette yeah cool. you are fresh off running the 40th anniversary of the U.S. Express. And for those who yeah. don't know what the U.S. Express is, please explain that a little and how it differs from the Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash, better known as the Cannonball Run. Um, who organized the original U.S. Express? And just tell us a little bit about it. So the original Cannonball ran from 71 to 79. And they were five runnings, were four competitive runnings. 
And uh, Brock Yates shut that down in 79 because he was like, somebody's going to get killed. The cars are getting fast. People are getting crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, no mention of all the cocaine. Uh, and so, <laughs> like, uh, he was like, yeah, it's not, you know, he kind of said hard pass. He t- that turned into the one lap of America, which still runs to this day. Uh, but there were still some uh, enthusiasts, let's say, who wanted to continue doing cannonballing. And, uh, and for those of you who don't know what cannonballing is, that's essentially racing nonstop, uh, traditionally from New York City to Redondo Beach, uh, you know, as fast as you can. And so uh, one of the, this one guy from Long Island, a uh, tech guy, I think, named Rick Doherty, he was like, I want to keep doing it. Uh, he called it the U.S. Express, and they did the U.S. Express from 80 to 83. And that's the one people really don't know about because there was no movie about it. Yeah. Right? So um, they ran it. And, I mean, again, sedans and sports cars, but it was, there was a famous Pantera that did it with wings on it. And uh, it was crazy. And they shut it down in 83 because for the same reasons. it's It was insanity. Um, and uh, then – that that name sat dormant for until this year, uh, and of course, I kind of restarted competitive cannonball in 2007 with the 2904, and since then there was been the 2904 and Ben Safari Wilson's uh, C uh, C2C Express, and then I did the musket ball two years ago, and then Jesus, has that know, been two years already? It's been two years, right? God, that uh, flew then, by. So Ben and I were like, oh, we're done organizing events and i get a call from taylor hull and taylor hull is a professional drifter a really nice guy he runs the um, southern classic which is the it's the run from smoking the bandit mm-hmm. basically from georgia and going out to texarkana getting cores and coming back and they do this run every year and it's hilarious this is like five trans ams do it and then all the ferraris and crazy stuff and he called me up and he called Ed up and he called a few of the, the more experienced cannonball organizers. And he's all like, how would I go about doing a cannonball? He goes, I spoke with uh, Rick Doherty's, I think, daughter and got permission to use the U.S. Express name in his honor. And uh, how would I do it? And, and to Taylor's credit, he took pretty much all of our advice. And, um, you know, first, first advice was don't do it. <laughs> it's the worst, <laughs> the worst, worst thing you possibly can do. But if you're going to do it, you know, we we're like, you know, there's gotta be some kind of, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be your event. You gotta shape it the way you want and be very selective with who you choose, uh, make it invite only, uh, hopefully people who have experience, you know, so forth and so on. So he did, he sent out, he sent out, um, I know we're on, we're, we're doing a, a radio thing, but I got I can show you guys on the camera. He, I, these, he sent out these oh, cards, okay. these, are, these metal invitations. So it just had a symbol on it. And then on the back, it just said, you're invited. And that's all, that's all I got in the mail. It's, this envelope came. It's like this secret invitation. You had to have this card. Right. And, um, and I'm like, great. Uh, so he put together like 20 cars um, and we were going to run from the Red Ball Garage in uh, Manhattan, which is the traditional start for most of the original Cannonballs. And the finish was at the Portofino Inn in Redondo Beach, which was the finish of all the ca- original Cannonballs. So uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it. You know, I had other things going on. And um, Ed Bolian calls me up and he's like, you got, you got to run with me. 
I'm like, of course. And I, I've actually run twice before with Ed uh, in the in the 2904, and uh, so I was like, you know, who doesn't want to run with Ed Bolian? Right? Sure. <laughs> you know, record holder, cannonball legend, great guy. Um, and uh, the rules for the, the Express were uh, that the vehicles had to be from the U.S. Express era. Oh, so they had they had to be 83 or earlier. And they had to have a period drivetrain. So you couldn't like swap in a Coyote or an ILS or something like that. And I had a lot of people calling me. Um, uh, Aaron Meisner, who ran with me in the musket ball, wanted to do it because I got him addicted. That was the first run he had ever done. He's yeah. like, now he's got to do it. He's like, what, what would you get? I'm like, I'd probably get, you know, an early 80s gray market Mercedes, like a 500 SE. Yeah. Like a, uh, but but gray market because the U.S. cars were garbage. The, yeah. the gray market cars moved and they had the small bumpers on them and they were really cool. That's exactly what he got. So he was running that. There was a um, another team got a '79 Mercedes 6.9, which Ooh. is the which is the big car with the limousine engine in it, right? And then uh, Aaron, this is a different Aaron, by the way. Two Aarons had Mercedes. Different Aaron. He. He bolted on a six-speed BMW manual transmission into this old 6.9 Mercedes and tricked it out. It had a flipping license plate, like you see in like a James Bond on it. Oh, it was cool. Twin tanks. It was. He dumped a lot of money into that, so there was no budget restraint. You could spend as much money as you wanted, as long as it fulfilled those those the qualification of the age. So. uh, 20 cars, all kinds of different things. Uh, probably the strangest car was a 1978 or 79 Dodge Dart station wagon. <laughs> now, for the Mopar aficionados, uh, Mark, there's no, su- there's no such thing in the United States as a Dodge Dart station wagon for that year. It was only sold in Mexico. So they went to Mexico <laughs> to get this crappy V8 Dodge Malaise era wagon, which with a gorgeous interior, a beautiful interior, um, but just an awful car with the 360 in it. Uh, I think they they got the worst mileage of everybody. I think they got like eight miles the gallon. Is what you mean to tell me <laughs> nobody ran a 1981 Chrysler Cordoba LS? <laughs> I think that was the biggest oversight of the entire event, really. Um, I think if I think if Taylor runs it again, I think there should be an invitation to Mark and his Herb Tarlick outfit. Um, now, absolutely, you and Ed and your third, whose name escapes me for the moment. Yeah, Trevin Hermosillo was uh, who's yeah. uh, from Sway who we did the Alaska run with earlier this year. Now, when you were doing the Alaska run, did you come up with the idea for your car? Well, this was, this is all Ed's machinations. He was, he kind of locked in on the Jamie Farr character from cannonball run, this chic. Uh And, and I, I always wanted to do that. Like the white silver shadow, you know, would be ideal. So we, we started looking immediately for white silver shadows and the trouble with silver shadows, especially because we're looking seventies or early eighties, most worth of them anything. are rubbish. Yeah, um, <laughs> is that they had? They, this was when Rolls Royce uh, introduced this car. It was like their first unibody car. 
they had a, an agreement with Citroen, uh, Citroen with the um, hydraulic rear suspension. Yeah. So the brakes and the suspension ran off of this like I don't know Mineral two gallon oil. reservoir yeah. under the hood, and it, at you know a thousand psi ran the brakes and the like. It was it's 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 the most Byzantine. Uh, hydraulic you, system you'll ever seen, and inevitably it's leaking. Well, you said Citron. And, <laughs> yeah, so, like, if the ride is is superb. It's sublime to sit in it. And I got to say, it was the most comfortable car we've ever crossed in. It was brilliant, but you can't find one that had that system because that system's like a $10,000 rebuild. Yeah. And when you're buying the car for $10,000, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, those systems are bad. The brakes are expensive to work on. Um, and a lot of people just let them. You know, the wood inside fails and the leather fails. Well, and, and the other thing you're not mentioning is the fact that all of these systems are running off of one combined system. So when one of the hoses goes and the rear suspension fails, so do the brakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, it, it's not, it's, it's, uh, that's why there's a, that's why they're like, it's a, it's literally under the hood, there's like a two gallon reserve. <laughs> like it can leak for a long time before it comes out. But, I think they were totally aware of how much fluid that they knew they were going to be losing out of it eventually. But it's a it's a magnificent car. Uh, don't get me wrong; it's it's you know the queen would have of our car. And looked at um, I don't know a few of them, three or four of them. He would send me links all the time, and most of them, like I I've had a couple for my film car company, so I was a little familiar with their weak spots. And um, you know, a lot of them were just just awful. Uh, He's, you sent uh, Lemon Squad. Have you ever heard of those guys? Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, go, they'll go check out the car for you. Um, and so he would send them. And like a, it's like 200 bucks. And the guy actually goes there, photographs it, tests everything. And which I thought was great. I'd never used that service before. Mark, and you they, really ought to be using Yeah, Lemon actually, Squad. I'm sending myself an email with that right now. Probably <laughs> yeah, save you they were, what you'd spend was, in gas. <laughs> yeah. Or a plane flight or, you know, it's, yeah. or anything. So. He that they that helped eliminate a couple of turds, and we end up with this one. It wasn't white, which was forgivable. Um, it was a two tone, actually beautiful, was repainted, and it was a one family owned car. So wow. the grandfather had bought it. He was an active member in the Rolls Royce Club, and he toured with it. He, he flew it to Saudi Arabia and toured in it. He flew it to Malaysia and toured in it. And when he passed away, you know they took care of it. And it, but it hadn't driven in years, I think five years or so since the grandfather passed away. Um, <clears throat> so they had gotten running and it, it, Ed talked him down, shrewdly negotiated down to, I think, 10 grand or so and uh, got the car. And the family was thrilled. You know, family's like, what are you going to do with it? We're going to cannonball it. Like grandpa would have approved of that. <laughs> <laughs> and the interior was nice. Everything seemed to, you know, once everything worked, uh, Ed brought it over to Cameron Davis, who's also a cannonballer. He was the one racing in the 6.9 with Aaron. Um, and uh, he, like, it's hard enough to find. Like, my shop, hell yeah, I work on old rolls, but most shops won't. Like, especially if they're not a rolls shop. Like, it's an intimidating car. Sure. So it was great to find somebody who would work on it. Cameron went through the whole thing, made sure it was safe. Uh, essentially, you know, made, got the right fluids. This is a special fluid for the hydraulics. And uh, and did, did, actually did a really nice job prepping it. Gave us our best chance of getting across the country in a 50-year-old Rolls-Royce <laughs> that hadn't gone more than 500 miles in like 10 years, right? So like Ed picked it up. 
it was a little wheezy. He drove it to, he drove like 500 miles. He picked it up like North Carolina or something in the middle of the night. He calls me in the middle of the night. He's driving it at midnight, one in the morning, like these two lane roads in North Carolina in a car he doesn't know anything about. That's <laughs> that's one of the things I love about Ed. He's absolutely fearless, fearless. in that regard, oh. almost like he doesn't know any better. <laughs> Ed is Ed is fearless in every regard. I was, like, I, it, it is it is such a joy being around him. Like when we shot car uh, car trek. There was one moment where they had a little scene where they were on these edge of these cliffs. We yeah, were, yeah. Uh, and it was like the, the best road in the world. We were out in Colorado, and it, it literally was a 400 foot drop to the to the river below. He's sitting on the edge of it, and then he spins around and kind of leans back and lays his head off the. Uh, the, the two other guys were like, "Nah!" He like every, the whole crew. We're a hundred yards away shooting it, and we're like, even us, we're like, no, 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 no. And he's standing there, and he gets up, and I'm like, he, he is, he's, he's daredevil. He's a man with no fear. It's amazing. So, yeah, it takes a little, it takes a little bit of that to drive an unknown vehicle across the countryside <laughs> in the middle of the night. God bless but, him. And he, he, he's all like, I'm gonna stop for gas. He stops for gas. He goes, oh yeah, battery's dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I was wondering why there were two batteries in the in the trunk, and I'm like, there you go. Um, <laughs> well, and also, and he's been talking about this on VinWiki. He's got a pretty cool, comprehensive kit. He takes in a big tub with him for yeah. any unknown car or any place he's going, and all of that stuff. And he's just he's fantastic about. Be, he's he's got what he needs with him in order to he's, jump in he's something unknown and take off. Yeah, he's a meticulous planner. And that's, I mean, the reason he got the 2850 record, because they were going for, it was a practice run when they got that record. No it kidding. was because they, he, was, he was, yeah, he, he was so well prepared. They had planned so well. But by the time they were halfway across the country, they realized that they were in a record pace. And everything he does is like that in his business and when he makes runs, he's so his little box in the back, which is very similar to the box that we all, every one of the Cayennes had for our run up to a lot to the, uh, to the Arctic ocean. Um, same thing. He had his little kit in the back and I think he has a link in it. He just did a video on VinWiki about our, yeah. our the, about the, the roles. And I think he put a link to what he does with the box, but everybody knows Ed's box and it's, it's got, Everything you need, and I think he's every contingency is in there. Like uh, when we did the Cayennes, each box had you know uh, some uh, a computer to plug in if codes were thrown. Like like down to like down to extra fuses and and zip ties and all kinds of stuff. So the, the rolls had its kit. You know, we kept a, quite a bit of oil and quite a bit of hydraulic fluid because we knew we knew we were going to be losing some. And I think we went through. Like five quarts of oil oh, and God. Four, four quarts of hydraulic fluid, which now, you know, considering <laughs> what we were doing with the car, we the, the, the car ran great. And the, all the prep from Cameron and, and Ed and uh, we left New York and we took it easy. Like the first each one, we just drove a, a one stint each kind of nice and easy one tank each. And we didn't have a like, – this wasn't prepped with an extra fuel tank. This was totally stock. Oh. Royce. Like, no countermeasures. We didn't have laser jammers or any of that stuff on there. It was just an old Rolls-Royce and three guys and one radar detector that didn't seem to work at all. And <laughs> what's that top, was it. What, that what was is, our entire prep. What's top speed on an old Rolls-Royce? So that's we, – we, 
we got going, we're like, hey, you know, our plan was we leave first and everybody's going to pass us and we'll photograph them when they go by. That was kind of what, and, and everybody's like, okay, we're going to catch the Rolls Royce and everything's fine. But, you know, <laughs> you, you got me and Ed at the wheel and Trevin's, you know, with his first cannonball, he was excited. So our first stands, we're doing like, you know, 80, 85. And we're like, this the car's not bad. The car's not bad. It's like 83, 85. It's kind of a nice speed for it. And then the next stint for each of us, Ed went first because um, it was his car. And uh, so Ed picks up the pace on his next stint. So I hop in. I'm, I'm going to do Ed's pace. You know, I let Ed, Ed led us with how fast he thought the car should go. And eventually it was like, oh, you know, 95, 92, 95 miles an hour. It's not bad. The car does pretty good. Eventually, I think we did like 114, uh, allegedly. Allegedly, and then. Yeah. And that was like halfway across because usually that's how when when I did all my cars, after you get it past halfway, you kind of start pushing it because you figure it's going to make it the rest of the way. Sure. And then somewhere in the wilds of Arizona, I think, or New Mexico, I was actually asleep when this happened. So I just heard them like going, and, and the wind and the doors are rattling. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And they're 122 miles an hour. <laughs> So the, the the list the the factory listed top speed is 118. Mm -hmm. So uh, and when you when you Rolls Royce never revealed back in the day horsepower it was always adequate adequate right yeah. so we were team we were team adequate is who we were. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, what's funny is at they never designed these cars to go that fast in the ceiling of them. It's 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 if you have noise canceling uh, you know headphones. That's what a Rolls Royce is. It's a noise canceling headphones. Like you drive in it, and just it seems to muffle the outside just beautifully. Like we, we're having, we're driving 85 miles an hour, just, just talking, you know, regular tone. And it was, I'm like, this is beautiful. After all the crappy cars I've raced across the country, and it was just quiet. But when you got to severe speeds, the air pressure inside the car started fluctuating, and the front doors would start opening oh. enough to to turn on the dome light. So oh my like, God. You're like, why is the dome light turning on? And like the doors, that's how much they were wobbling at those speeds. I'm like, okay. And John's so, leaving yeah. out one really critical detail on this. What? <laughs> the car's right hand drive. Oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a right hand drive. And I'm I'm wondering, is there any kind of a real adjustment to that? Do you just kind of get used to it real quick as you're driving? Um I I lived in England and drove right-hand drive cars for a while. So it was, it, it, I, it came back to me really quick. Um, you know, the other guys were, I think, you know, they, they adapted really well. And, and Ed had already driven it hundreds of miles. So he was already adapted. I think Trevin was like a little concerned when he got in. But you adapt to it really quick. And I, I, I'll tell you, the driving isn't the hard part. The passenger seat is the hard part. Because at times, like, you just react and you, like if you know when you turn around, you're driving and you kind of turn around. You use the steering wheel to kind of push yourself yeah. to turn around, and look in the back seat. Well, that's what you would do. You you in the passenger seat and you reach for the steering wheel to turn, but well, there's no steering wheel. And you're like, oh, and then <laughs> you come around corners and your hands go out automatically for the steering wheel, but because you want the comfort of holding on to something, and you realize I'm on the wrong side of the car. So, <laughs> but but the hidden advantage of it, which which uh, I had never experienced before, because you know driving a right hand vehicle in, in left hand roads, um, it, it 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 
was really advantageous for passing from the pa- from the fast lane or the passing lane. Oh. Because usually if you're in the passing lane and there's somebody clogging it up, your passenger on the right-hand side is your spotter to look around the truck, right? Yeah. Well, you're already on that side. So you can oh, that see. Would be interesting. In for the win. You're looking. You're looking down. Most most of the road, you know, most of seventy and then fifty. If I mean forty, and that the southern route is two lanes, and so you're looking in the middle of the lane. So you can see everything. It actually was hugely advantageous. Um, I would totally run a right-hand drive car again. I um, I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, yeah. So, so the car ran pretty well. Uh, what kind of a time did you? I, I assume. You, you know, you completed it all the way yes, through. We completed it. Well, we, we were one of the spoilers because people were like hoping to pass us. We only got passed by a few cars. People are like, what are you doing in that role? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in the end, the, the final stint, all our final stints were really pushing and Ed crushed the final one. And then Trevin took us in. We get into, we get into Redondo Beach. We left at 6 p.m. in New York, which on a, 6 p.m. on a Friday night. New York City. Oh, so getting out of town wasn't that quick. Uh, but we came in to Redondo Beach at 3 a.m. And uh, and Ed had arranged for Redondo Beach police to lead us in. Oh, no uh, kidding. We had, a, we had a police escort. One of his, there's a, the Cannonball Memorial Run, that which he goes on, which yeah. uh, raises money for fallen officers. He's done a few times. So this cop let us in right all the way in, and uh, we did it in 36 hours, 10 minutes. That's moving. That's and really moving. Which is 78 mile an hour average, which is really respectable for a car where we had to stop 12, 13 times for Well, gas. you're running a, sta- a <laughs> standard gas tank without a fuel cell or anything else. The other thing that we've really glossed over, the three of you are dressed like sheiks. <laughs> yeah, well, wait, you had to do the Jamie Farr thing, right? So, so we, I'm we, just wondering about the looks you got. People, people liked it. We 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 doubled down on the theme because we not only had the chic outfits, but we also had Grey Poupon with us. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh, awesome! My God. I dig it because I I really wanted because I thought people were going to be passing us more, and I was hoping we could like lean out the window at speed in the chic outfit, handing people Grey, Grey Poupon, Poupon. would have been the thing, right? Um, but yeah, the chic outfits were great. Uh, you know, I got a shot of me jumping out of the car at the finish, stamping our card in the chic costume. But we, we got, we certainly got some looks. It was, it was, you know, with everything that's going on politically, I was a little worried about it, <laughs> but, uh, people seemed to really embrace it and enjoy it. Of course, everybody involved knew it was a, you know, it was about Jamie Farr's character oh, yeah. from the, the chic from the movie. It was a lot. That was, that was a lot of fun. You ran 2904 for a decade. Yeah, yeah. And you've done several of these, including the musket ball, which mm-hmm. I can't believe it's been two years already. Um, how many cannonball run type events have you completed? And do you think you'll go again? So I hold the record for most competitive cannonball events as far as a participant, which is uh, well, I've done 12 competitives. I've done 13 cannonballs, uh, 12 competitives, and then one where we tried to cross in the ambulance, the the replica ambulance with Tra- with Travis Bell. Yeah. Um, so 13 cannonballs is is what I've got under my belt. Um, and uh, yeah, if I'm gonna do it, like I, 
I've been saying this since 2007. I'm like, yeah, this is my last cannonball. I don't need to do it again. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but who knows? You know, I I, uh, <laughs> I have a, a top secret project in the works. Who knows? I might cannonball it. Um, well, if I get a ZR1. If you, yeah, hey, hey, I'll put I'll put you together with Taylor, right? We'll get we'll get that beautiful uh, Chrysler product out there. Hell yeah! Well, we did. There was a C4 Corvette that ran this year because it just got in eighty four. Somehow he accepted it because it was eighty four, right? It, it, this car was not eighty four. It was it had so much go fast. The guy dumped like thirty forty grand into it. But usually what happens is like first time cannonballers do all of that, but you, you got to do one first to know how to do it. So yeah. he, he, uh, he, he got his experience and they did a real job. I have to tell you though, about my, f- there were some amazing cars, the Mercedes 6.9 one with a time of 30 hours, 56 minutes, Jeez. which was damn quick. That's legitimately big, fast. But the car I thought was going to win, and that was ahead of everybody was the car nobody saw coming. And I just got, I got to tell you about it. It's got to be that dark awesome. wagon. No. <laughs> it, so did you, you know, the Mel Tillis, uh, Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. Yeah. Characters in the movie. Right. So they had the, the, the kind of stock car painted, yeah. uh, you know, uh, primer gray. Um, Nick and his buddy, I forget his name, um, show up just two guys in a 74 uh, Malibu Chevelle. You know, when they got big and ugly, yeah. right? With just, a, I don't know, 350 under the hood or whatever it was, uh, they pulled out and there must have been, I don't know, a gallon of oil sitting in the, oh, in, no. underneath where they were. Like they had a case of oil in the back, a case of beer, a case of, like, you know, they're like, <laughs> we're going to do this. And like they had, you know, the only thing that made it look different than a stock car, I think they had like bigger 18 inch wheels on it or something. And it was rumbling and they rumbled out. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, compared to other the other hardware that was there, I'm like, well, they'll they'll do okay. Man, we were on, we were on. I think we were on Glimpse. I forget what program we were using to track each other. But you you saw them out there, and right off the butt, like just right out of the gate, they're like at 115 miles an hour. Wow! And they are staying there in this thing. And I and I mean, it doesn't have a trick transmission or overdrive or anything in it. It's just an old Chevy Malibu. Like it's cranking you. over four grand and those guys are going deaf. And exactly. Right. And they continued that pace all the way across. They finally, they, they caught us and passed us. They blew by us somewhere. I think about before I think they caught us maybe in Indiana or somewhere. I forget where we were, but they, they finally caught us, you know, and, because they started behind us a ways, and they they blew by us. I'm like, wow. And the guys in the fancy Mercedes were all like, oh dear, you know, <laughs> we can't get beat. We can't get beat by a five thousand dollars Chevy Malibu. Like it's this is not going to happen, right? And they were trucking all the way to California, and they finally their um, transmission packed up. Oh, of course, of and, course. I mean, but they were they were laying down. So this is this is what's amazing. They got a uh, uh, flatbed truck to come pick up the car. And they took video of us and other teams blowing by them, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they must have bribed or paid off or whatever the driver of the, uh, the flatbed. He drove them to the finish line. 
And we were tracking them on the system. And that, that tow truck was doing 75, 80 miles an hour. <laughs> we're watching it. We're like, really? Really? Their finish time on the back of a tow truck was 34 hours. That's pretty impressive. They were two hours faster than us, and they broke down and came in on a tow truck. I, I, they, were, they, were my, they were the heroes of the run for me. They were the, absolutely fantastic. You know, we finish these interviews up, and I've asked you a number of times, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? <laughs> and usually guys like us who have gotten to this stage in our life, there's a lot. There's, there's so much you can't possibly tell all the stories or all the stuff or everything else. And there's a good reason I don't tell most of the dumb crap. My dad listens to the show. <laughs> and I live 10 minutes from him. I see him pretty regularly. And uh, I may be 54, but every now and then the old man will look at me and say, what did you do? <laughs> so, <laughs> so every, you know, every now and then I got to apologize to my dad for something I did 30 years ago. But uh, I, I'm, I'm aching to hear something new. What's the dumbest thing you've done in a car this year? This year? This year. Oh, good gravy. Um, I mean, I, the, the, the Rolls Royce was, was, was an adventure for sure. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, I'm not, I don't know, if, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't call stuff I do dumb. I, I, I think it's all fun. I mean, it's, it's, it may not be advisable. Okay. But, uh, uh, butchering but, the language. But, what's the funnest thing you've done in a car this year? We, 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 when we did the, uh, the Hall Road, in the Cayans going up to the Arctic ocean. Um, and you're on this unimproved road out of, uh, Fairfax. And, um, it is like eight. Now it's more like 11 hours of brutal truck road. And it's usually like everybody's seen ice road truckers, right? It's usually in the wintertime. It's a, it's a beautiful flat ice road and the trucks can go, wicked fast on it but in the, when we went it was all ruts and rain and we're in these the, the cayennes felt tiny as you're trying to get by these big rigs that can't see you because all their mirrors are covered in mud we're covered in mud and you're going through these these ditches like one good little oomph and we're into a ravine and they're not going to find us for three days the bears are going to be eating us um there were a couple of moments of that where I was like, this probably wasn't advisable because it's not, there's, it's, two, it's 200 miles in either direction to any kind of truck stop. You know, there's a, a cold foot truck stop, which is the, the northernmost truck stop in the world. After you pass that, there's nothing until you get up to Dead Horse. And, uh, and the, it's, like, it's not like there's a lot of traffic going on. So that was, that was definitely, the, there were a couple moments in that where I was like, this is crazy. So glad I did it. Like that was some of the most fun I've ever had in a vehicle. And, uh, and I've, I've Ed to thank for that and Trevin and Sway. And, um, that was a, a amazing adventure. And I got to say, I'm a huge, huge fan of Porsche Cayennes. Now I'm actually looking to buy one. That is going to be my new family vehicle because we threw everything at that, at that SUV or crossover or whatever the hell it is. And, uh, Man, it came up smiling. It was such a good truck. Uh, so I think, you know, there was there was a guy who did the the haul road in like an MG. Oh God! Uh, 
<laughs> now, that guy's that guy that he's my hero. Talk about if you can't see like we're in bright orange cayenne, turbo cayennes. Like we were okay. This the little guy in a in a MG going up there, that that would have been the craziest thing I could ever think of doing in my life. That, on, 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 on spoked rims as well. That's a ton of guts partnered yep. with not much sense. Yeah. <laughs> not much sense. <laughs> We've been speaking with John Ficarra, owner of Ficarra Classic. John, please take a moment and tell everyone where they can find you online and on social media. Well, you can go to ficaraclassic.com. That's my website. Um, but uh, I'd love people to go to Fakara Classic on YouTube. That's my new YouTube channel where I'm doing stuff in the garage and I'm doing stuff about Cannonball. Uh, and please like and subscribe there and help me get going. We've got almost 19,000 subscribers. So someday I'll be as big as Ed. But uh, we're I'm just getting going with that. And I also post on Instagram under Fakara Classic and uh, some of the you know, when I'm doing projects or weird runs and things like that, I put lots up there. So those are the three best places to find me. And he's not kidding. You really do need to check out the YouTube channel. If you're any fan of automotive history or how things work or cool projects, you need to see the stuff that he's doing on that channel. It's always fun to have you on, man. Uh, we don't get to talk enough, and I, I really love having you on. It gives me a chance to catch up as much as anybody else. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. I love you guys. Now, what I was telling him is absolutely true, and John's just like a chainsaw guest. He makes it so easy. You just you get him started and get the hell out of the way because he's got plenty to say. Well, when you've done so much and had so much fun doing it, I mean, you know. I get the idea that if we sat down with poss possibly with adult beverages and we're just shooting the breeze, <laughs> Can you he's imagine? probably got enough to tell you that you wouldn't have to say much for a couple of nights. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... That's part of what I love about hanging around with John. He's just got great stories. He's got he's just done so much cool stuff. Nice. So, nice. He's a good guy. Good he guy. absolutely is. Thank you for listening to Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and on LinkedIn as Driven Radio Show Podcast. If you have a story you would like to tell or someone you would like us to interview, please contact me at brett at drivenradioshow.com. I am Brett Hatfield for Mark L. Groves. Yep. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.